life is filled with moments. And to help encourage powerful moments with the Lord each and every day, Dr. David Jeremiah has written a new book called Moments with God. This beautiful year-long devotional makes a wonderful companion to your personal Bible study. When you give a generous gift of $120 or more to Turning Point, you'll receive a Moments with God devotional four-pack, one for you and three to share. Donate online at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Welcome to Turning Point. It's the kind of truth that sounds simple but takes eternity to comprehend. God loves you. He always has. He always will. That's the title of Dr. Jeremiah's series that begins today. All about the most perfect and profound love you can ever know. Turning to 1 John is a starting point for the series. Here's David to introduce today's message, God is Love. Well, thank you for joining us, and Happy New Year, everybody. We began this new year with excitement in our hearts, anticipation, a vision for all that God is going to do, grateful for what happened in the last year, uh, all the good things that God did and some of the challenges he uh, trusted us with. But now we face a new year, and I'm grateful for the years. You know, God could have just given us time without any segments in it, no days, months, years, and we would just have to live in the middle of everything with no starting and stopping places. I'm thankful for the new year. I look forward to the end of the year, kind of review everything that's happened, and then set my heart on what I believe God wants me to do in the next 12 months. We're beginning this year on the radio with a very great series that's a great foundation series for the new year. It's the series, God Loves You, He Always Has, and He Always Will. And we'll get into that in just a moment. Let me tell you that this series is now available in a book. And uh, this book is uh, is from Hachette. It's one of the books that I wrote for them. And uh, it is all about God's love. It's uh, a book that is 284 pages. And it will take you through a lot of the things that you wonder about when you wonder about God's love. It is the basis for our series during the month of January. And you can get this book and the study guide and the CD and DVD series that go with it by going to uh, davidjeremiah.org. You can order them from the Internet. Even though we're doing this series, uh, this is not the resource of the month. The resource of the month is a brand new book by Nancy DeMoss. I wrote the foreword to this book, and I've read every word of it. What a great book it is. It's called Heaven Rules. And it's a reminder to us that while we're going through all this stuff down here on this earth, there is one in heaven who's in control. And we have to learn how to live by heaven's rules. I'll be telling you much more about that as we go through the month, but you can have a copy of this 256-page hardcover gift book for a gift of any size to Turning Point as we begin the new year together. Just send your gift, and when you do, say, send me the book, Heaven Rules. Okay, let's begin our discussion with this simple truth. God is love. There's a story in her autobiography, Over Mountain or Plain or Sea, written by a missionary named Trula Cronk. It's a story of a little girl who visited her house one evening and who stayed just a little bit too long. And darkness began to fall and she was afraid to walk home. And Trula explained that she should not be afraid. She said, Dolan, honey, God loves you, and he will take care of you as you walk to your house. And the little girl replied very solemnly, No, Memasib, 
God does not love little girls. And Trilla said she was never able to forget that simple statement. It made her want to give her life to tell every little girl that she ever met from that moment on that God did indeed love her, and he loves all of us. You see, in non-Christian religions, God is portrayed, if he's portrayed in a personal way at all, not as a giving God, but rather as a God that we need to somehow find a way to appease. We must find some way to please him, to satisfy his demands in order that we might receive his favor. But that is not the God of the Bible, and that is not the God of Christianity. The declaration of God's love is found, interestingly, twice in the same chapter within eight verses where we are told that God is love. 1 John 4, 8, and 16 read like this. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. What does John mean when he says that God is love? First, we need to understand what he does not mean. He is not merely saying that God loves or that he is a lover. He is saying far more than that. He is saying not only does God love you, God himself is love. Where does love come from? It comes from God. He is the source. He is the originator of love as it is known to us today. Without God, there is no love, for God is love. Like Trula Cronk, I have a burden in my heart to tell you that God is indeed love and that he does love you. But what exactly does that mean? Love is a term that is misunderstood and in fact, I read recently that in John Bartlett's famous book of quotations, there are 1,300 different definitions of love. Recently, a group of children were asked, what does love mean? And among their answers were some of the following. Rebecca, who was eight years old, said, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toes anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even with his hands having arthritis. She said, that's love. I have to tell you, for me, that would be love. (laughs) Four-year-old Billy said, when someone loves you, the way they say your name is different. You just know that your name is safe in their mouth. Bobby, seven years old, said, love is what's in the room at Christmas if you stop opening presents and listen. (laughs) Nikki, who is six, said, if you want to learn to love better, you should start with somebody you hate. (laughs) Tommy, six years old, says, love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other very well. (laughs) And Cindy, who is eight years old, says, during my piano recital, I was on a stage and I was scared and I looked at all the people watching me and I saw my daddy waving and smiling and he was the only one doing that and I wasn't scared anymore and that's love. (laughs) And there's truth in all of those things and we like to smile and laugh about it. 
But God's love is different than any love you have ever heard described, either by children or adults or philosophers. If you don't know God, you can't know love the way God wants you to know it. It's in total contrast with the world's concept of love today. So for the next few moments, I want to take the very best opportunity that I have and try to describe for you from the Bible what God's love is. But I must warn you that when I have said everything I can possibly say about the love of God, I will have barely touched it. In fact, there's an old gospel song that if you ever watched the Billy Graham Crusades, you've heard George Beverly Shea sing many, many times. It's just called The Love of God. And the third verse of that song reads like this. Could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies a parchment made were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry nor could the scroll contain the whole though stretched from sky to sky in other words the writer said if you had a pen that would work in such a way and all of the oceans were filled with ink and all the sky was the paper you were going to write on if you wrote on the sky and drained the oceans dry of ink you still would not have possibly covered the meaning of God's love so you can see how intimidated I am by this subject what an awesome subject the love of God so let me just tell you some things about God's love that are different first of all God's love is not caused God's love is uncaused what do I mean when I say that God's love is uncaused well the world says I love you if you are good-looking if you are intelligent if you are wealthy I love you if you have a good education a good job good connections I love you if you produce much sell much buy much and the endless ifs hidden in the world's love are overwhelming these ifs are enslaving since it's impossible to adequately respond to all of them so the world's love is and always will be conditional in other words the love that the world offers the love apart from God's love is conditioned upon you meeting certain standards and the key word is the word if in our human relationships we love another person because we see something in that person that attracts our love but God's love for us is uncaused it is unprompted it is uninfluenced it is free it is spontaneous there is nothing we can ever do to cause God to love us and there is nothing we can ever do to prevent him from loving us he loves us because he is love and he has chosen to express that love to us Ephesians 1 5 says he loves us according to the good pleasure of his will which in the language of today simply means God loves you he loves me because he has decided to do so and he loves everyone the same no matter who we are where we come from what we've done or what we may consider to be the reasons why he shouldn't love us and believe me there are many reasons are there not my second point is that God's love is not only uncaused but it's unreasonable 
If you go all the way back in the Bible to the first story, and the story of God begins in the book of Genesis, you will discover that there was no cause, there was no reason, there was no human perspective for God to love Adam and Eve. No reason to cover up their sin with the skin of a sacrificial animal. There were no reasons for God to spare Noah and his family. There was no reason for God to do any of that. There were numerous reasons and always have been reasons for God not to love us, if you look at it from the human perspective. But God just pushes by all of that and he loves us because it's his nature to love. An old bishop of Canterbury summarized our condition in this prayer of confession he wrote back in the 1500s. He said, we have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And there is no health in us. And when he wrote that prayer of confession, he spoke the truth about every one of us. We haven't done what we should do, and we have done what we shouldn't do. And I'm not going to ask for an amen, because if you were honest, everyone here would say amen to that. And Paul tells us in the Bible that we are unreasonably loved by God. For instance, in Romans chapter 5, it says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, some would even dare to die. Now watch this. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Somebody said, well, I'll be a Christian after I clean my life up and make myself acceptable to God. Don't try it. You can't do it. God doesn't love us because we're acceptable. He loves us because it's his nature to love us. His love is uncaused and it's unreasonable. And his love is thirdly unending. The Bible tells us that God, listen to this now, God is love. So everything God is, love must be. And God is everlasting. God is eternal. The Bible says he's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, who is and who was and who is to come. The Almighty. Since God is eternal and God is love, then God's love is eternal. And that means that the love He will have for us in the future will never be greater than the love He has for us now. And His love for us now is not greater than the love He had for us in the past. He loves us with an everlasting, eternal love. And the prophet Jeremiah put it this way, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. How awesome it is to know that before the worlds were created, God set his love upon you and upon me. Before I ever breathed the breath, before I entered the womb of my mother, God saw me and he loved me with this love that's so hard to comprehend. It is in truth like draining the ocean dry and trying to write it in the sky. I'm going to devote an entire message to this thought that God loved us before we were born. Because it's so important in this day and age when we have so little concern for those 
who are yet to be born. In his classic book, Knowing God, J.I. Packer said, what matters supremely is not that I know God, but that he knows me. He said, I am graven on the palm of God's hand. I am never out of God's mind. All my knowledge of him is sustained in his knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend. There is no moment when his eye is ever off of me or his attention distracted from me. This knowledge, this unspeakable comfort in knowing that God is constantly taking knowledge of me in love is for my good. There's tremendous relief in knowing that his love is utterly realistic. It's based on, at every point, on prior knowledge of the worst about me. So that no discovery that he makes can ever disillusion him. He can't say, oh, look what Jeremiah just did. He already knew what I was going to do or what I don't do. And he loves me in spite of it. He loves me because it's his nature to love. God's love is uncaused and it's unreasonable and it's unending. But here's another side to the love of God. It's also unlimited. The Bible says that God is omnipresent. What that means is he is always present everywhere. Someone put it this way, God's center is everywhere and his circumference is nowhere. God fills the heavens and the earth with his presence. The Bible says it this way, behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. And Paul said that God is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. And what that all means is that wherever God is, love is. Some of you say, well, I'll just go somewhere and get away from God. Good luck. (laughs) And if you can't get away from God, you can never get away from his love. His love is everywhere present. So wherever you are, his love is there. In fact, there's a psalm in the Old Testament, Psalm 139, that talks about the presence of God. And if you'll allow me just a word change, you'll get the moment that I'm trying to make from Psalm 139. Listen to this. Where can I go from your love? Or where can I flee from your love? If I ascend to heaven, your love is there. If I make my bed in hell, your love is there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea, even there your love shall lead me and your love shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me, indeed the darkness shall not hide me from your love. Psalm 139 with the replacement of the word love in the text. Psalm 139 reminds us that God and his love is always present with his people. As a pastor, I have talked with people through the years who feel as if they have pushed God's love beyond its borders. They will say, that's it, you've crossed the line for the last time. God is saying to you, I've had enough of this, I'm through with you. I'm not going to love you anymore because you keep doing the same thing over and over again and you keep coming and telling me you're sorry and then you go do it again and they picture God like we picture humanity. They picture God as saying, that's it, I'm finished, it's over. I'll never, never love you anymore. Don't come back to me again with your problems. 
But I'm here to tell you that our human experience has taught us that way, but that's not God's way. God loves. God cannot stop loving. If God stops loving, he stops being God because he is love, and his love is who he is. So I'm not encouraging you to test his love. I'm not encouraging you to push his love. I'm just telling you that whatever you've done or wherever you've been or whatever your situation may be, you may think you have sinned beyond the borders of God's love. I'm here to tell you that's impossible because God's love is everywhere and it's unlimited. And God's love is unchanging. That's one of the most important things of all. How many of you know that relationships that we have are human relationships? One of the problems is trying to get some stability to them, right? I mean, marriage counselors would go out of business if we could figure this one out. But the Bible says that God's love never changes. Because God doesn't change, and God is love. The Bible says in the book of Malachi that God doesn't change. It says, I am the Lord, I do not change. What part of that don't we understand? Psalm 33, 11 says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever, the plans of his heart to all generations. Psalm 102, 27 says, you are the same and your years will have no end. Now I want to just talk about this part of the love of God for a moment. What a wonderful thought it is to know that because God is unchanging, his love is unchanging. God's love is constant in faithfulness and continual in expression. It doesn't diminish, it doesn't disappear, no matter what happens. One writer that I read illustrating this point said this. Sometimes we joke and we say about marriage, the honeymoon is over. But that's because we're finite. I mean, we can't sustain a honeymoon level of intensity and affection. We can't foresee the irritations that come with long-term familiarity. We can't stay as fit and handsome as we once were. Can I get a witness? (laughs) We can't come up with enough new things to keep the relationship fresh. But God says that his joy over his people is like a bridegroom over a bride. And he's talking about honeymoon intensity and honeymoon pleasure and honeymoon energy and excitement and enthusiasm and enjoyment. What God is trying to get into our hearts is what he means when he says that he rejoices over us as a bridegroom over his bride. And so he has no trouble sustaining a honeymoon level of intensity. He can foresee all the future quirks of our personality and he's decided he will keep what's good and change what isn't. And he will always be as handsome as he ever was. And he will see that we get more and more beautiful forever. And he infinitely is creative to think of new things to do together so that there will be no boredom for us for the next trillion ages of millenniums. God wants us to know his love like a perpetual honeymoon, which is the only way you can explain God in human terms and it still falls so far short. Well, we have some more about uh, the love of God in the uh, general introduction to this series. Um, Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to talk about this. God loved you before you were born. 
and then Friday, God carved his love in stone. These are discussions about the incredible love of God, and they should be really encouraging to all of us who are followers of the Lord and enticing to those who are yet seeking a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You can get the book that's behind this series and the study guide and the CD or DVD sets from davidjeremiah.org. They're all there ready to be shipped. If you'll just ask for them, they'll give you the information about the cost, have them sent to your home. And then uh, this month, our resource is a book by uh, Nancy DeMoss, a wonderful writer and a good friend called Heaven Rules. I wrote the foreword to the book and read every word of it, so I can tell you this book has life-changing potential. When you're discouraged and you wonder if everything's out of control, how blessed are you when you remember God's throne is not empty. He's sovereign. He's in control. And even when everything seems out of control here, you can rest assured that God is not surprised by anything that's happening to you. This 256-page hardcover book is our gift to you for your investment in Turning Point during this month. It's a wonderful addition to your library. I believe you'll read it and want to share it with someone else. I sure did. And it's yours for the asking when you send your gift to Turning Point today. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, God Loves You, He Always Has, He Always Will, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Heaven Rules by Nancy DeMoss Wolgamuth and learn to find comfort and courage in this chaotic world. This powerful book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in several cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue... God loves you, He always has, He always will, here on Turning Point. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. Writing about prayer, A.C. Dixon said, When we depend upon our organizations, we get what organizations can do. When we depend on education, we get what education can do. When we depend on man, we get what man can do. But when we depend upon prayer, we get what God can do.
If an organization, education, or a person can meet a need you have, then by all means take advantage of them. But if you have a bigger need than that, perhaps you should depend on God through prayer. The Apostle James reminded his readers that they had not because they asked not. And this is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons for prayer on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.